Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Ali Bay. Today is May 28, 2019. 99 days to kick off. Woo! We done broke the 100 mark. We're in the double digits. We are coming down. Of course, all y'all listening to this is probably 98 days to kick off or 97 days to kick off before our next podcast comes out. So we're getting closer. Exciting, exciting stuff. Lots of news for you today. We're going to talk about the OTA. We're going to talk about what Bruce Arians has said about the team. We're going to go over some Sioux news. Got some announcements from the NFL. Some news about the Bucks trying to scam for some money, if you listen to the media. And then we're going to talk about the media a little bit. When I say a little bit, I mean a whole lot. It's a lot of notes you got there. A lot of notes. First, let's get to the OTA days. Carmen Vitale <laughs> did her right Whoa, up today. you are like... <laughs> Just, Almost getting into boy band territory right there. <laughs> I'm stretching it out. You sound like my GPS. I said right. Yeah, she's got a GPS. You know, normally it's got the, you could pick the female or male voice. She has boy band voice. It's on ways. You can add it. So, it's no, pretty fun. Nobody listening to this should <laughs> add it. It's, uh, it's pretty funny though. Yeah, it's like, take a left. Turn right. Comment Vitale. <laughs> Anyhow, she did a write up on the OTA day seven, which was today. Apparently, it was a pretty hot out there, 103 degrees. Ew. Yes. Uh, some of the points she took, she wrote that I took away, she's talking about how the offense and defense are chirping at each other during practice. She said it's pretty funny, but it also shows that there's a real rivalry. Rivalry. What was that word? Rivalry. <laughs> rivalry. Developing between the two sides, and it adds to the energy and competition on the field. And this is without pads on. So wait till they get pads. They're going to be knocking each other out and talking crap. Isn't that what John Green did? What? Came in and said, "Great defenses score points." Yeah, he really score. He really challenged the defense. Yeah, which it worked. Head coach Bruce Aarons was asked after practice about the Bucks signing with Dominican Sue. He said, "Dominant player, inside penetrating, but he's a great run stopper. He's a pass rusher, but he's a great run player. With him and Vita Vea, it's going to be really tough to run the ball against us inside. But they're both going to be able to rush the passer for us effectively. I think he's a great addition." As soon as I read that, I texted Molly. I said, hey, Arians is listening to our podcast. <laughs> or he's watched the film like you have. Yeah. I don't think it's that rocket surgery. <laughs> you can pretty much figure it out. Nobody's going to be able to run up the middle enough between the tackles at all, I think. Ain't happening. Yeah. I mean, seriously, at all. What's the run style in the division, though? To the outside. <laughs> yeah, I thought so, too. Like Kamara, he's a passing and running back. Um, McCaffrey, kind of the same thing. Well, Drew Brees does a lot of play action, and so does Cam Newton. We're going to be totally shutting the Panthers down. I mean, they're they're basically a run team. Yeah. But then McCarthy, he, he catches a lot of outside patches, catches, passes. McCaffrey. McCaffrey, what did I say? McCarthy. You know, that old Packers coach. <laughs> I was thinking of McCarthyism. Maybe. <laughs> Damn commies. <laughs> Carmen Vitale said the best thing she saw today was at the very end of practice. The Bucks' offense was in a two-minute situation with no timeouts. They needed a touchdown to win the game. The defense did a good job in keeping the offense inbounds, forcing them to hurry back to the line to get another playoff before time expired. Now, they ended up doing it with time to run one last play, but it was a floater pass to the back left corner of the end zone where rookie quarterback Jamal Dean was waiting underneath his receiver. He nabbed himself an easy interception in practice and win the game. And the day for the defense. Arians had... 
this to say about it. He said, Dean had a game-winning interception right at the end of practice. All those guys are getting their hands on balls, but I think a majority, 95% of our turnovers have come from rookies in practice, and they're going against our best guys, end quote. Now, if they can start batting down passes and getting interceptions against Mike Evans, a good one, Godwin, good one. Godwin. Godwin. <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> against Jameis Winston, I think it's good both for our offense and our defense, but especially for our defense. Interesting you- that he brings up the point that it's 95% of the turnovers are from rookies. Well, that's Those are Arians a- guys. Those are not yet true. <laughs> that's 95% of our secondary, those are rookies. <laughs> Just about. Anyhow, yeah, he's tooting his own horn there. That's right, my boys are getting them interceptions. Well, I don't think it bodes well for the guys that were already here. They need to step it up. Yeah. Bucks had a bunch of offensive linemen out sick today. Arian said it was because of a weekend barbecue. I don't know. What, were they all hungover? That's my first thought. I'd rather that than food poisoning. <laughs> uh, Kappa was out, Wofford was out, Rubel, or Holcomb. You know, Arians is there all hungover. He'd be pretty, I think, disappointed. <laughs> I think Arians is probably to the point where he's always hungover, so he's Maybe. used to it. It's just a natural. Or, or he, he's one of those uh, hair of the dog to bitchy kind of people. He just Maybe. gets up and starts drinking. Or he probably drinks top shelf, so he doesn't get as bad a hangover. That's true. You know all about that. I do. Uh, Caleb Beninock was filling in at his old spot at right guard. A lot of people on Twitter had a problem with that. I'm telling you guys, Caleb Beninock was not that bad towards the end of the year. I actually liked the way he was playing aggressive. He was actually our one of our most aggressive linemen. So I'm not too upset about that. Ian Beckles had Ali Marpet on his radio show this week, and he told Ali that he'd be okay if our offensive line was the nastiest uh, group on the team. He thinks they should be. I don't know if that's going to happen. but They need to be. I always believe that the offensive line should be the nastiest group on the team. Yeah. Meanest, toughest. He said it really sets the tone for the team. Yeah. That trench warfare means everything. So – Ali Marpet was on Ian Beckles? Yes. Uh, not on the podcast, on the radio show. I don't know which one. Oh, okay. So that's about all the news we got from the OTAs. The NFL has announced it will eliminate the single header rule. That means that fans throughout the country will get to see three games every Sunday afternoon. We'll have a pick of three instead of two now. Sometimes it was only two games, depending on the markets. Some Sometimes teams only got one game, depending on where you're at. But now everybody's going to get three games, at least. That's good. Because, man, I hated it when... Four o'clock games would roll around and it would just be a couple teams that you couldn't stand. You didn't want to watch. I don't know. I, I kind of like the two, just the two games. Not as much to choose from. That's and you tricky. don't have to keep so much track of it. And for fantasy football, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just don't like this new rule, do you? Not really. I don't like change. <laughs> <laughs> in addition, the league will push Sunday playoff games in the divisional round later in the day to 3 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is going to match the kickoff times of the conference championship round. You know, it's always weird on the weekends when playoffs get around. Can't ever figure out what days or what times the uh, games are starting from Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Now it's going to be a little bit more consistent. That's a good thing, I guess. Also, and everybody's going to love this one, the number of commercial breaks in the Super Bowl will be cut from five to four per quarter. Good, because they sucked last year. They've sucked for quite a while. Remember when Super Bowl commercials used to be funny? I know. Now they're all really serious and political, virtue signaling. They were just bad last year. I can only think of one funny one. And, like, we don't even have cable now, so it's like it's not like we're watching a lot of commercials through the year. This is probably going to be our only exposure to commercials. Yeah, that's the only time I watch commercials is during the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I wonder what that's going to be mean for revenue, because they make their money off the commercials, I thought. Yeah, I guess they won't melt. You know, here's how they could get around that is they can make the commercials longer. 
But how does the NFL dictate how many commercials a station can sell? I don't know. I guess it's part of the contract. But it seems like it would decrease the value of having the Super Bowl if you can't get as many sponsors. I don't know. Or NFL, they're in more of a demand because there's less time for commercials. Yeah, just charge more. Higher. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. cost more. Better quality. Quality over quantity. Yeah. Uh, NFL's got everybody over a barrel. They can, yeah, they can dictate everything. Yeah, exactly. I was reading today, the Bleacher Report had a sappy, sappy article out about Robert Aguayo, all about his crying and his struggle after being drafted and all this mess. I'll tell you, it was a, it was a really horrible article. I don't know. I guess if you're interested in the human side of things, <laughs> you know, then you'd be interested in it because it really was all about him crying and being upset and all this. It was, it was a long article, too. Well, from his perspective, what happened? Well, here's what he claimed. Well, he blamed a whole bunch of stuff, but... Everyone but himself. No, he kind of laid it on himself, too. But what he said was uh, he changed his kicking style before training camp with the Buccaneers because he felt like he was pushing too much with his groin and he wanted to do it more with his hamstring. What? Yeah, that was really stupid. Right. He danced with the girl that brought you. Exactly. You know, do that stuff after you've established yourself. Don't change your kicking style before you enter the NFL. It's just ridiculous. He said he eventually got it down, but it took him a couple years, and he eventually got his kicking style down at the beginning of last year. I think he was with the Chargers. He hit all of his kicks in preseason, but they still cut him. He says he's still looking for a team now, though. He said, I've got it down. I've- of course he's saying that because he's looking for a job. Oh, he was talking about how he lost friends and he didn't want to leave the house. And Yeah, I bet he was depressed. Yeah, he was all depressed. His girlfriend slash wife thing was all worried about him. And now he's like, I want to kick again. Uh, there was some stories about golf in there too, or something. I don't know. It was. I had a hard time getting through it because it was just really a sappy story to me. All I got out of that was you called his wife, his girlfriend slash wife thing. Is that what you call me, your wife thing? <laughs> You're my wife thing. Let's get to some Sue news. A little bit of that going on. Apparently, he got engaged on the 24th over in France. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to his fiance. She's rich. <laughs> You're terrible. Uh, they had him on the tennis channel for the French Open. Apparently, he's a pretty big tennis buff. Friends with Serena Williams. Yes, he's also friends with Warren Buffett. They're real good friends. That's crazy. How does that friendship even start? Warren Buffett's a huge Nebraska fan. Oh. And Sue's like the most famous Nebraska player ever. They've got like a whole wing of the stadium devoted to him and like a trophies and shrine. I didn't know Jason Light. He played at Nebraska, and he was a defensive lineman. Well, there you go. That's why we got Sue. Nepotism. Maybe. No, it's not why we got Sue. <laughs> we'll get to that later. We what did, did you get from that interview with the Tennis Channel? Uh, that he has a degree in engineering. Yeah, that was cool. Kind of like Andrew Luck. Like, he looks at the stadiums and... Mm-hmm. Although he didn't give quite... His big thing about the stadium was, I like the stadium because the seats are big. And for my big body, they're comfortable. He plays tennis. Can you see him playing tennis? No, I wouldn't want to be on the other side. I'd be scared. You see his arms? <laughs> he hit that ball and come at you like a missile. I know. Take cover! How fast would he be, though? Can't imagine very fast. Faster than us. Yeah, you think probably. those big guys are slow, but they're faster than the normal, the average bear. They asked him on the tennis channel what he looked for in professional athletes, not just from football, but other sports, like tennis. And he said, I look at the agility 
that they have, how much they're able to move their bodies, change leverage, direction. change direction. Exactly. It was funny to me when they asked him about, you know, what he thought of the stadium. And he, you know, that's when he found out he had an engineering degree. And then they asked him about going to the Buccaneers. And he said, well, you know, I like going to teams where I could build. He's an engineer. Huh. Get it? Interesting. Yeah. I missed that one. It's a good little nugget you pulled out there. Got to find something. <laughs> Greg Allman did a piece the other day, the 24th, entitled uh, Sue. What are the Buccaneers getting in the Damakong Sioux? Let's hear from the experts. This is at theathletic.com. A good article if you want to get a glimpse into what the media and some fans think of Sue at when he was at Detroit, the Rams, and Miami. Now, what Greg Allman did is he talked to some of the beat writers in those three towns, and he talked to some fans in those three towns to basically get their opinion on the Damakong Sioux. What was the general consensus about his presence, his... His locker room. Presence, how he was on the field. How he was in the community. Mm-hmm. What they thought about him as far as how he helped the team and all that. And generally, everything was positive. Uh, they, The beat writers, I wish they would. he would have talked to more players or any players, actually, but especially ex-players. Because when you talk to current players, they're not too keen to talk bad about people that are in the NFL now. So it's always better to me when you talk to ex-players. But <clears throat> anyhow, it's neither here nor there. The Bucks beat writers, they said, you know, Sue is not media friendly. He's not a jerk, but he's not going to go out of his way to be with the media or talk with the media or do good things for the media. And they said, as far as the locker room is concerned, he basically keeps to himself. He's not a cancer. He doesn't disrupt the locker room, uh, but he's very intelligent, which you can get that just by watching the interview on the tennis channel. Tennis channel. Uh, the guy's very smart. And they said that his on-the-field play was about what you would expect. And none of them said he was dirty. None of them said that he excessively got fines or caused problems for the team or, you know, either on or off the field. And they said the reason that he's not with the Rams anymore wasn't because of his locker room issues. I think I can't remember who said that that was part of the problem, that he didn't fit in there. Yeah, we're going to get to basically. that. Basically. It was Dan Okay. But that's not why it wasn't there. His price tag was the reason he wasn't there. He made $14 million last year with the Rams, so they just didn't want to quite pay him that again. Yeah, the Rams weren't as bad cap-wise as the Buccaneers were, but they weren't too good. Uh, I think they had around $7 million in cap space, so they needed to get rid of some people, and he was one of the guys they had to cut. He was, had one of the largest salaries. I mean, Aaron Donald's only making $17 million this year. Sue, was, Sue made $14.5 million last year, so he was the highest-paid player on the Rams roster. But it only makes sense that they would get rid of him. Especially being there on a one-year deal. Yeah. You know, he helped take them to the Super Bowl. They lost. I guess they figure they can shore it up different ways. And like we said, they they probably got the Super Bowl hangover. They don't know what they're doing over there right now. There was criticism in Miami when he went to Miami and played for three years that he just kind of went there to get a paycheck and they didn't necessarily get their money's worth from him. Yes, but they said it was because he got such a huge signing bonus that everybody expected a whole lot from him. And he played, you know, he didn't play bad. Right. But he didn't give them, the fans, basically what they wanted. And then you had the whole situation in Miami where everything got turned over. Every guy, every, you know, everybody from the front office to the water boy got churned out. So he was one a product of that. So it was an interesting article. If you have a, the athletic subscription, go check it out. Well worth the read. I think they're having a summer special right now where it's half off. 
Last I looked, that wasn't around anymore. They have oh, seven day, yeah, seven day free trial now. Gotcha. I think that was through Labor Day or Memorial Day that they had the sixty percent off. <sighs> yeah. So if you didn't get on that, you missed out. Too bad. Speaking of the media, boy, was that fun watching them Twitter fight the other day. <laughs> we had the Joe Bucks fan on their Twitter posted an article, and they cited Pro Football Talk as a source. Well, Greg Allman took. Umbridge to that and called them out saying that they should have cited Rick Stroud, seeing as how Rick Stroud was the source for the Pro Football Talk article. And this is when they took Rick Stroud was talking about 10 teams were interested in Gerald McCoy for $11 million, blah, blah, blah. And so Joe Buck fans got into it with Greg Allman and then Rick Stroud. And then I think a couple other people joined and it was just, it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. What do you think about it? I like that. They hold each other to journalistic standards every now and then. I wish they'd do it more often. I know. Joe Buck's fan told Greg Allman, he said, you really have way, way too much time on your hands. Glad you own the fo- Glad you own and follow the fair credit playbook. Perhaps you should publish it so all your colleagues can follow it. Now, it's interesting with Joe Buck's fan. It doesn't seem like the rest of the journalists there or media people like them a whole lot. In one of the podcasts where they were talking about when they first got started, Pewter Report and Scott Reynolds and those guys actually made it so that they could not get press passes right buccaneers yeah they went around talking about joe bucks fan before their press pass was approved yes and and then it got rejected the two joes do not like rick stroud rick stroud does not like them apparently joe bucks fan is going to write an article at some point explaining one of the media figures is lying about the glazer family in the media because there was this whole situation where there was this article about uh the Buccaneers using shady accounting practice to try and con the courts. Now, this was Mike Florio. He wrote this on Pro Football Talk. He said, quote, Though the court never comes out and says it, the message is that the court believes the Buccaneers tried to manipulate the compensation system. If you're not aware, the Buccaneers tried to get money from the BP oil spill through the settlements. Uh, BP had a settlement for a couple billion dollars, and it was to be doled out to people who could prove that they deserved compensation. Well, the Buccaneers tried to get on the train to receive $19.5 million. Mike Florio went through the court ruling, and he came to the conclusion that the Bucks used shady practices. Now, the courts rejected the Buccaneers' claim. Because you had to show that your business was negatively impacted. Yes, from three months in 2010, you had to show the exact three months in 2011. And if there was a difference, then you would get compensated. Uh, well, what the Buccaneers apparently did is they added their player payroll to the 2011 time period when they normally changed that three-month time period when they normally put it later in the year. And the reasoning for that was because of the 2011 NFL lockout. They said they put it in their accounting system early because the players were going to be sitting out. And if uh, the courts rejected that reason and they lost a thing. Mike Florio, though, says that the court believes that the Buccaneers were manipulating the compensation system. He goes on to say, that the court indirectly, he said, that's an indirect way of saying, hey, Buccaneers, we know what you're up to. You specifically recorded a massive payment from NFL Ventures, which is the NFL players' money, during the months of May through July 2011 in an effort to qualify for something that you otherwise didn't deserve. And we're not stupid enough to fall for it. That's kind of a reach there. That's very much a reach. And this is Mike Florio putting words in the court's mouth. The court, I read the, the case court didn't even come across anything like that. And if they did believe that, they could have charged the Buccaneers criminally if they felt that they were trying to 
or that they did anything illegal. They didn't. It was a simple accounting. You could call it a trick, maybe, but the Buccaneers did have reason to do what they did. We don't know, but knowing the Glazers, they don't seem to be dirty, scummy people that are going to try and... Cook the books, basically, which is what? Yeah, for $19 million, that's nothing to them. Right. There's no way they would have done it like that. So, you know, Mike Florio, you can go kiss my ass. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it on Twitter a little bit, and that's the general consensus that they've cooked the books, and that's the story everyone's running with. Yes, and it, to me, it seems like the Buccaneers are getting pegged as dirty, the whole outfit. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, it's the narrative coming down. We're going to talk about this because I'm mad as hell. JoeBucksFan.com says that they have direct knowledge that a prominent local Bucks beat writer gleefully spreads lies about Team Glazer's business dealings and Bucks officials are content to ignore it while an innocent third party is discredited. He says he's going to bring that story out sometime this week. I'm interested to find out about it. But there's a whole lot going on. We talked about this in a podcast last week for fans to be careful. It looks like the some in the media are upset about the McCoy trade and they're trying to gaslight and dirty the waters. Well, it's gone in overdrive now. Even Joe Buck's fan has gotten on board. It's not a shock to me. <laughs> no, it's not a shock to you, but at first they seemed like they were okay with it. So do you just want to go through it story by story, point by point? Well, Joe Buck's fan did an article and they were talking about <clears throat> the pros and cons of getting rid of GMC. And they said, with that aside, this whole situation is starting to smell like inept Lovey Smith revisited. That really irritated the shit out of me when I read it, oh, too. Oh, it infuriated me. Because Lovey Smith had one mediocre team that he was at way longer than he should have been. I'm talking about the Chicago Bears. That was his head coaching opportunity. And he came here, stunk to join up. Immediately. Oh, and he was praised by the media. I mean, just... Well, they got Shiano fired so they could bring him in. Yes. And they just loved Lovey. They couldn't talk enough good stuff about him. Even before he had had one practice, they were kissing his butt. And that's what pisses me off about what Joe Buck's fans said in this article. I'll let you finish the quote. But is that we haven't even played a game. And Bruce Arians is far more tested and proven than Lovey Smith ever was. And then to just immediately shit on the team and compare Bruce Arians to Lovey Smith is a joke. Yes, and his what he's comparing him to is he says that Lovey Smith refused to adapt to his players' talents and instead tossed guys overboard that went on to produce as starters for other teams while the Bucks' defense nosedived. He said, Joe always found this tactic to be lazy coaching. Now, he's Which, accusing of Arians of doing this with McCoy. He's saying that we got we threw McCoy overboard because he doesn't fit the scheme. There is no scheme. The players are the scheme. Right. But everybody's building up to this whole Bruce Arians sucks. He's getting rid of good talent. He's getting rid of good talent. They don't know what they're doing. Poisoning the well. They're poisoning the well. That's not all of it. That, was just, that one just surprised me because it was the Joes. Let's get down to some more dirty, dirty, dirty crap that's going to, I tell you, it just, it just pissed me off so bad. I want to start a war with these people. <laughs> I'm serious. I am tired of their crap. Y'all don't poke the bear. They don't know what they're talking about. They're idiots. <laughs> Thomas Bassinger wrote an article in the Tampa Bay Times. The title of it was, Is Indomitian Sue More Dominant Than Gerald McCoy in the Fourth Quarter? Now, this is what's called Betteridge's Law of Headlines. It states any headline that ends in a question mark can be answered by the word no. It's also referred to as Davis's Law or Journalistic Principle. So right away when you read that article, you know the answer is no. 
Well, this idiot goes through and does nothing but twist numbers and stats. Oh, yeah, that's his whole Twitter feed. And says basically that McCoy is much better than Sue and the team made a huge mistake. Now, to start off with, he used pro football focus for his stats. Right there, he should have been discounted. Anybody that uses pro football focus is a moron. I will say that point blank to anybody's face. Those guys don't know what they're doing. Pro football focus is a joke. They got their own set of ratings. They do this whole thing where they they give pressures to people. Pressure is not, quarterback pressure is not something, it's subjective to every person that watches. And they don't have guidelines where you can go, oh, this is a quarterback pressure. No, they just make it up. They say, oh, he pressured that guy. You don't know what a pressure is. They don't watch coaches film. They don't watch all 22. They go by the broadcast version of the games and you cannot see the secondary whatsoever and you cannot see what the offense defense's line is doing <laughs> on the broadcast version so their their whole stats are just crap anybody that uses them are just discounted in my eyes immediately but here let me let me go through real quick and point out some th- stuff that he says he says quote since the defensive tackle and the bucks mutually parted ways he has that in quotes the social media trolls have been out in force, denying that he has ever been a dominant performer and was invisible late in games. Talking about McCoy. Then he says, hey, McCoy himself has even perpetuated such misconceptions. Here's McCoy's stats. This is me talking now. This isn't Thomas Bassinger. McCoy had 31 sacks in the first half during his career. He had 22 and a half stats, sacks in the second half. So that was up to 2014? No, from 2000. 10 to 2018, his whole career. Oh, okay, okay. Said, I thought you said the first half of his career. He said okay. 31 sacks in the first half, 22 and a half in the second half. Okay. He said 21 sacks in the first quarter, 17 and a half in the second quarter, only six in the third quarter, and 16 and a half in the fourth quarter. Now, up until 2014, he only had seven and a half sacks in the fourth quarter and three sacks in the third quarter. Wow. Now, in 2014 is when people started noticing this. And they said, hey, this guy's not showing up in the second half. And he's definitely not showing up in the fourth quarter. And so then he started getting more sacks in the fourth quarter. He is absolutely gone in the third quarter. He had, I think, three or four seasons where he had zero sacks in the third quarter. None. Wow. None. From 2010 to 2014, McCoy had 10 sacks in the first quarter, six and a half in the second quarter, three in the third quarter, and seven and a half in the fourth quarter. Now, that's only a half a sack more in the second half than he had in the first quarter alone. He had 10 sacks in the first quarter from 2010 to 2014. He had 10 and a half in the second half. Wow. From 2010 to 2014. Now, you tell me, what's more important? A sack in the first quarter when the score is 0-0? Or a sack in the fourth quarter on third down with the game on the line. Ain't a fan in the world going to tell you a sack in the fourth quarter means the same as a sack in the fourth quarter. Especially when the game's on the line. McCoy did not show up in those games. That's why, it's a large reason why, we lost so many games. Because when we needed McCoy to step up, he never did. Now, if Thomas Bassinger wants to sit down and he wants to talk about this crap, we'll do it anytime, anyplace, anywhere. But don't you dare sit there and call people trolls for pointing this crap out. McCoy got paid over $100 million on this team. He played for nine years. He never had any competition. He was glorified by the media, by the coaches. You could not criticize him without getting stepped on and called a troll. And now that he's gone, these people still want to kiss his butt? That's fine. But what they're doing is they're putting Sue down. And they're pointing to light and ownership as the problem. 
Bassinger goes on and he says, quote, once we consider the difference in snaps, the edge shifts to McCoy. He does all kinds of mental gymnastics with trying to get these stats to work for McCoy's favor. Of course favorite. he does. And that's why stats can be so misleading because yeah. you can use them to say whatever you want to say. Right. He says McCoy's recorded a pressure on 11.5% of his pass rushing snaps in the fourth quarter and overtime. Now, this is all according to Pro Football Focus, too, so it's all stupid to begin with. He said Sue has recorded a pressure on 10.4% of his pass rushing snaps. Okay, so he's saying McCoy's recorded 11.5% of his pass rushing snaps in the fourth quarter and overtime. Sue has done 10.4% of his pass rushing snaps. I don't know. And he says these numbers tell us a couple of things. One, McCoy was indeed disruptive late in games, more so than most of the players at his position. That should no longer be up for debate. Two, if you weren't wowed by McCoy in the fourth quarter, you probably won't be wowed by Sue either. So there he is shitting on Sue. It's been a long time since I've taken statistics, so this might be a dumb question, but isn't it within 3% it's not statistically significant? Uh, probably. So 11.5 and 10.4 you're saying right. is not significant? Yes, I know. And here's another thing. Sue's a run stuffer. Right. McCoy's whole bag of tricks is that he's a pass rusher. Hasn't our pass rush been trashed it's the been last 10 years? It's been horrible. Especially in the fourth quarter when it matters. So why is he comparing McCoy to Sue in passing downs in the fourth quarter? Because it makes McCoy look better. Better, but not by much. Right. That's the whole point. I mean, Sue's not even a pass rusher. That's not his gig. His gig is blocking up the middle. And keep. here's what defensive three-tech defensive tackles are supposed to do. They're supposed to, to watch the two gaps, the A and B gap, and they're supposed to push their guy into the quarterback so that he cannot step up and throw the ball. That's generally their whole gig. McCoy was absolutely horrible about that. If you watch that video I put out of just some of the plays that McCoy got pushed around, he always left the B-gap open. And the quarterback was always able to step up and throw the ball. So McCoy's big deal was to be a pass rusher. Sue doesn't allow that. You don't get to step up in the pocket and throw the ball with Sue. You don't get to run up the, the, the middle. You don't get to run down the B-gap with Sue. That's his bread and butter. But yet everybody wants to compare McCoy and Sue's sack numbers. Sue's sack numbers are better than McCoy's. He's not even a pass rusher. He barely trails McCoy in these stupid stats. <laughs> and that's not even a specialty. I'll tell you what, you, let's show some run-stuffing stats, see how the two compare up. Right. Look at the tackles for loss. It's not even close. Sue beats him by almost like 100 tackle for losses. Some crazy number. It's like double. And just tackles in general, he's got him by over 100. And then they'd like to point out that McCoy has not played in as many games. Like, that's a plus for McCoy. What the? What are these people drinking? I mean, availability is accountability. If you're not on the field, you don't matter. I don't care if you're a superstar. If you're sitting on the bench, you mean nothing. Look, from the Ravens' website, RussellRestreetReport.com, they report on McCoy visiting the Ravens. Here's what they had to say. He said the announcement of the visit could mean many things. Maybe his agent, Ben Dogra, wants to drive up the cost to sign his client. Maybe the Ravens want to drive up the cost for Cleveland to sign the coveted defender. Maybe the Ravens have a corresponding deal in the works to move another of their defenders to patch up areas of weakness. Those are three legitimate points. Have you seen any of those talked about in the Bucks media? No. No. All they talked about is there's 10 people. There's 10 teams wanting to sign McCoy. They're beating the door down. Want to pay him $11 million. Mm -hmm. Where are they getting that information from? They're getting it from his agent, Ben Dogra, or from McCoy himself. Are these people idiots? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say like yes. Like they 100%. don't know that it's completely obvious. It's totally obvious. Uh, why do they have to constantly put him in a good light? Even now that he's off the team, they are still kissing his butt. 
Oh, by the way, in that Ravens article, not a single mention of 10 teams being interested in McCoy. Look, the media is completely biased for McCoy and against Sue. There is no doubt about this. No doubt about this. Jenna Lane, she works for ESPN. She's the She covers the Buccaneers, I suppose, I guess. There's a she puts out like an article a week, and most of them are just her recapping her Twitter junk. I said I was going to be nice to Jenna Lane, but I'm done with this mess. I'm done with being nice to any of these people. I'm just, this is infuriates because they are turning, they're trying to turn the fan base against the team. They're trying to divide everybody. Which is, this is not the first time they've done it. No, They've it's done not. it basically with every coaching regime that's yeah. been fired in the last 10 years. Yep. I don't, believe, I don't believe a word these people say anymore. Look, Jenna Lane wrote a long-ass eulogy for McCoy after he was cut from the team. I say eulogy because I swear to God, it sounded like she she thought he was dead. <laughs> I, it was like 10 tweets long, just, just gushing about how great he was and how much he helped her and this and that and how much of a good... I mean, he's a person we would all strive to be like. And, you know, we can only imagine the charity that, you know, we, we could never even touch his... His jockstrap, basically, is what she was saying. <laughs> and then, But she only tweeted all that crap after she tweets this. She says, I think McCoy has had a better career than Sue and is more dependable from a scene standpoint. What does that even mean? It, it doesn't matter. It's just that McCoy's better than Sue. She says, Sue does what he wants when he wants. Now, she must have missed the article that came out yesterday. I think it was on ESPN or whatever. It was um, ugh, not Albert Br- Ian Rampapore, maybe? Yeah, who said that Gerald McCoy is known as a freelancer. And I will say this, too. This is another thing. These these media types, they don't watch film at all. I don't even know if they watch games, to be honest with you. You watch McCoy. He's been through, what, any number of defensive line coaches. Oh, they keep telling us 11 defensive line coaches, which is such, again, Giving they're, him playing, excuses. Yeah, they're playing with the numbers because he hasn't had... 11 defensive line coaches. I mean, it's been 10 years, so yeah, he's, what, had 11 he's de- gone through. It's, including that inclu- their assistants. Yeah, includes all the assistants and all that stuff. So, you know, you could say he had he had 30 defensive line coaches <laughs> yeah. and you're counting the whole defensive staff. Like, it's smoke and mirrors again. So, so he's had all these defensive line coaches. He's had all these defensive coordinators. He's had all these head coaches. And you know what? His play has not changed one single bit. I've watched every snap McCoy has taken as a Buccaneer. He has played the same every time. McCoy has done what McCoy has wanted to do. He's run the same stunts. He's done this whole looping crap to the outside. He's left the big gap open. He doesn't push up the middle every year, every time. He has not changed. It's funny how all the coaches have changed, all the schemes have changed. All the defensive linemen have changed. All the defensive line, everything has changed around McCoy except McCoy. But yet we're supposed to say that Sue does what he wants when he wants. No, McCoy did what he wanted when he wanted. I challenge anybody to show me uh, one single change in McCoy's play since he's been drafted here. Since he was drafted by the Buccaneers. He does the same stuff all the time. And he does it when he wants to do it. A lot of it doesn't make any sense. And that's what, who did you say it was? Ian Rappaport said in that article. He said, I don't know, one of the big NFL guys said that McCoy is known as a... Freelancer. A freelancer. Yes. On the field. He does what he wants when he wants. And I will attest to that. Now, Jenna Ling wrote an article on ESPN. This is ESPN we're talking about here. This isn't the, the small local media and... Tampa Bay. This is ESPN, national media. It's titled, Bucks Replaced Gerald McCoy with the Domicon Sioux, but at what cost? Now, in it, she states 
This is, quote, Sue also has a reputation of going against everything the Bucks have been trying to build in their locker room from a cultural standpoint. Sue's reputation as a dirty player and questionable teammate is well documented. And she goes on later in the article to say, but don't expect him to mentor Vita Vea or stay after practice helping Noah Spence with pass rush moves or go on mountain climbing expeditions with Bo Allen. He wasn't welcomed back with the Rams for a reason. He doesn't jive with their current group. Then she goes to go on in the article just to continue kiss McCoy's, kiss McCoy's feet a ton more, mentioning his charities and all that, how you know, gracious he is. Well, of course, not mentioning Sue's charity at all, who Sue was the most charitable player in the NFL. Now, when she was asked on Twitter by user Ken Peartree to provide quotes from players or a source, you know, just showing that Sue is a bad teammate or even questionable, Jenna replied with, Los Angeles, Miami, Detroit. I wouldn't have written that without talking to folks in those cities, in those locker rooms. But yet she does not provide any quotes or sources. Now, this contradicts totally what Greg Allman did. Greg Allman went and he talked to the media people and the and the, and the fans in all three different cities None of them said he was bad in the locker room. Questionable, not even. Ian Beckles' podcast this week was funny because he addressed this. The media members talking about the presence in the locker room. Now, talk about the quantum theory with particles that are being observed. Yes, well, it's the same thing with humans. If you're being watched, you act differently. It's, it goes all the way down to quantum physics. If you watch a particle, it reacts differently than if you're not watching it. Observation changes reality. So when the media walks into the locker room, do you think those guys are continuing to act how they were before the media came back in? No, it's we not possible. We all know. It's not possible. Absolutely not. The players know what the media is. If they're not acting right, the media is going to report on it. So as soon as the media comes in the room, they are on their P's and Q's, and certain players are putting on their performance. Yeah, if you want to test it out, if you got kids or a girlfriend or anybody in the room, pick up your cell phone camera, start recording them without them knowing about it, and then let them see you recording them. You will see an instant change in their behavior, especially if you got kids. They'll just start acting goofy as crap, rolling on the floor, <laughs> acting silly, if they're not doing that already. But yeah, you put you bring in cameras and mics, any type of recording device, or just having somebody watching you changes your behavior. And Outsiders come Especially in. outsiders. But then in this article, you know, Jenna Lane, she, she praises McCoy, she bashes Sue, but then she goes on to call out Jason Light and ownership. She says about Jason Light, she says he has acknowledged publicly that the Bucks have needed to do a better job of vetting players in terms of personality. Then she goes on to say, now you appreciate that honesty, but with that line of thinking, Sue perhaps shouldn't have been on the Bucks short list. The Bucks certainly wouldn't have made the move if he'll make as much as McCoy would have. But is saving a few million truly worth it when it includes a major headache? She's calling Sue a major headache. Based on what? These people she's talked with that she doesn't want to name, I guess. I guess. She's basing it on the fact that she loves Daryl McCoy and she's upset that he's gone. We'll get to that later while we think that is. And then she goes on to say, the organization should have done McCoy a solid by cutting ties in March. And then she goes on and lists her reasons why, about how he would have been able to find a better team, made more money, blah, 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 blah. Like the organization's responsibility is to Gerald McCoy. Just a little side note there. Peter Report came out with an article that said that the Bucks almost traded McCoy, but then the other team pulled out at the last minute. That's amazing. Jenna Lane doesn't know that? What? That's you should read Pewter Report, Jenna. <laughs> then she goes on to blame the organization more. She says, this is an organization that has botched several farewells over the years, from Doug Williams to Derek Brooks, and it seems like they still haven't learned. I wish I could remember 
who started that because I saw it immediately. I want to say it was Rick Stroud came out with that, that the Bucks have botched. Yeah. Goodbye. Then I saw it. I mean, it just spread like wildfire through the media. And then now that's been the narrative. Yes. I tell you what, you name me an NFL team that doesn't so-called botch farewells to their players, their star players. And I will recant everything I've said right here. They all do it. It's hard to release these guys, especially when they have beloved fan base and a media that coddles them like babies. And, you know, you got to get rid of them. So what do you do? You just cut them. It's a business. Get over it. We're trying to make this team winners. We're not trying to make McCoy happy. And then she goes on to say, this seemed like a desperation move. If this winds up being an abysmal failure, at least they can go back to the drawing board in a year. How about this, Jenna Lane? If this winds up being a good thing, how about you go back to the drawing board? Talk about That's biased writing. That's biased writing. Now, these media types can sit there and say, oh, we're trying to be objective. We be objective. That's all we're trying to do. Bullshit. They're biased and they're pushing an agenda. They're not. She's not the only one. Thomas Bassinger, Rick Stroud, Jenna Lane, Roy Cummings, Mike Sherman. All of these people have been adamant that the organization has screwed up by getting Sue and releasing McCoy. They're upset. I swear to God, it's like they they their ex dumped them. Like they just got the divorce papers or some crap. And we've talked about this. You brought it up that you know maybe. McCoy was paying these people. You know, maybe there was some some financial dealings going on here and there. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Well, there's definitely quid pro, pro quo. There's no doubt about that. McCoy, we have said this on this show. There's, there wasn't a microphone McCoy never liked. He was always in front of the media. He had their personal cell phone numbers. He contacted them. He would get on them if they asked him hard questions. Jenna Lane, even in one of her articles, said that he got in front of the Hard Knocks cameras when they were at the Bucks. And he told the media before the cameras started, don't ask me any negative questions. And she just said it very flippantly, like it wasn't a big deal. And I'm like, why are you letting a player dictate what you can ask? I know, right? I mean, what what is that all about? That that's not, not reporting. Sh- that's not journalism. That's called shilling. You're shilling for that player. Now, look, I don't have a problem if you're a Buccaneers media personality and you want to shill for the team. I'm all down for that. You want to wear Bucks colored glasses and report all the good stuff about the team. That's fantastic. I'd like to see more of that, actually. But if you're going to say you're a Bucks reporter and you're not objective and then you're going to do bias crap like this... Biased against the team. Against the team? Just be objective. We can't fault you when you're objective. If you're giving us good information that maybe isn't the most favorable for the Bucks, but it's accurate, it's fair, I can't fault you for that. Yeah, and you might even get some stuff wrong. That's fine and dandy too. We're all human. But when you're getting crap wrong to prove a point, a narrative that's biased against the team, get out of here. I don't want to hear that crap. And I'm telling you right now, you want to start a war, we'll have a war. I'll call you out every day on this podcast. I'll write articles. I'll spend my whole, I'll spend 10 hours a day on Twitter and the message boards and all that because I've got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> I apparently have as much time as these guys have. And we'll just have a war. But I'm going to hold you accountable no matter what. You start pulling crap like this, Sue is a good player. He's a good person. And he's on the Buccaneers now, so get over it. You may not like what Jason Light did. You may not like how ownership handled it. Get over it. Don't try to muddy the waters over this mess. They did what they felt they had to do. They weren't being malicious. They weren't smacking around your boy McCoy in the basement. We don't know the whole story to this. 
I think some of you media types do. Here's what my thing is, my conspiracy theory with these guys are, they're not getting access to him. They're scared that they're losing access for 10 years. These guys haven't had to do anything. No real reporting. All they've had to do is pick up the phone or go up to Jerry McCoy and say, hey, give us some quotes. Give us a scoop. What's going on in the locker room? What do you have to say? And then they would just report whatever he had to say. A lot of times they wouldn't attribute it to him, but they would say, oh, there's a disruption in the locker room, or oh, the team is losing the coach, or the coach is losing the team, mm -hmm. or this or that, or this or that. And it was all coming from McCoy, yeah. and they're losing that. Now they're going to have to work. I think that's probably pretty close to what's going on. They might have liked him as a player, and it seems like he's a nice guy. That's good. Go out and eat dinner with him. Or if you want to, go follow him whatever team he goes to if you care about him that much. But don't be throwing that crap in my face. Don't be telling me I'm a troll or anybody else is a troll for criticizing Gerald McCoy. Especially when he's not even on the team. He's off the team now. I waited until he was off the team to start bashing him. So did Molly. Because we believe in making the team better. Ain't going to do no good bashing a player on the team. We can call them out, make them more accountable. But I'm never going to say you need to fire this person or this person sucks. You need to get off the team or whatever. Jenilane is obviously trying to make it out like Dumbakan Sue is a dirty player and he's disruptive in the team. Jason like is screwed up. He doesn't know how to get people with good personality. He keeps getting these screw ups. And ownership treats their players bad. And Sue was a cancer in the locker room. Yes, and it's all incorrect. Completely 100% BS. If Thomas Bassinger wants to play that crap, we'll keep calling Thomas Bassinger out and calling him an idiot. I'll tell you what, Thomas Bassinger, you keep citing pro football focus stats, I'm just going to call you an idiot. You want to impress me with some knowledge? Sit down for a few hours and watch some coaches film. Take your own damn notes. Watch for your own eyes and see who's good, who's not. If you can't do that, you shouldn't even be in this business. If all you can do is quote people and take stats from some crappy website like Pro Football Focus, you shouldn't even be in this business. Go to go to TMZ. Go to the E Channel. Is that even still a thing anymore? I don't know. I think TMZ does a little more hard hitting reporting though. Why are you bullshitting around? TMZ rarely messes up. Yeah. And they break some big stuff. They were the first ones to report on JPP's accident. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they had the audio and everything. Yeah. It's like the next day. Yeah, usually when TMZ reports something, I'm like, oh, that's true. It's funny because you would think that they're a gossip magazine, yeah, but they're, they're, they're serious, hard-hitting reporters. I wish we had some of them. It just pisses me off that our representative at ESPN is just crapping all over the team and the organization because of one player. Where are these people at when a King Spence gets cut or traded or Adrian Claiborne? I mean, good Lord, he was here for a long time. Didn't nobody shed a tear when he was gone. He's gone to the Super Bowl twice. Since he left us. Obviously, he's a pretty decent player, I would assume. Good teams want him. Good teams want him. He helps them get where they want to go. I didn't hear any of them crying over him. Vincent Jackson. He basically retired a Buccaneer. I don't think I ever saw a single article written about it by the media. He just drifted off in the sunstep. sunset. Where are the tears for him? He was a good guy, too. Great player. Clint McDonald. He played with us for a number of years. He was voted every year he was here. He was voted Buccaneer Man of the Year. Did you hear about that? Did you know that? No, I had no idea. Yeah, McCoy was nominated one year. It was the year after McDonald was left, last year. It was written about in every media article ever. They still talk about it. I think it was brought up in this uh, in one of these stupid articles that I just read to you. Players get cut all the time. Players get traded all the time. Why, why, why is the media so heartbroken over this? So much so 
that they are trying to destroy the incoming guy to replace him and the ownership and everybody that was involved in it. There's a sickness there, man. We need a cure. Shine a light on it. I think the fans are the cure. Fans need to start calling these people out and say, hey, don't do that. Hey, you're wrong. And then what these guys do, they'll, they'll block you on Twitter and all that stuff. Right, that's matter. what happened. Tom Bassinger, I think, it's pretty liberal with the block button. The one article where I think it was Rick Stroud said that 10 teams were interested. He had tweeted it out. He said 10 teams are interested in McCoy for upwards of $11 million. The top comment in Reddit was, get yourself somebody that loves you as much as Gerald McCoy's agent loves Rick Stroud. <laughs> I laughed. It's like, mock them. Mock these people. It is ridiculous. I just, it's so transparent. It's obvious what they're doing. And they're very unapologetic about it. Anybody that talks crap about Buccaneers organization is going to get a, a crap full from me. I don't care who you are. If you're a rival, if you're a Buccaneers fan, I've had this happen before. Be at a bar, Buccaneer fan come in, start talking crap about Josh Freeman or Jeff Garcia or the coach or something like that. Uh-uh. You don't do that around me. You do not represent the Buccaneers that way. You know what? I will take that from a New Orleans Saints fan. I expect them to do that. Of course, I'm going to come back at them with some nastier stuff. Make them wish that they had never encountered a Buccaneer fan before. <laughs> Another Buccaneer fan, you don't do that. You don't crap on your own team. If you want to be an objective media writer, don't distort the facts to try and prove your narrative and push some crap about who's a better person, a better player, and blah, blah, blah. Sue has been to the Super Bowl. He's been to the playoffs, three different teams. He's been to the Pro Bowl, right? He's been to the Pro Bowl five times. He's got more sacks than McCoy. He's got more tackles than McCoy. He's got more tackles for a loss than McCoy. He's got more safeties than McCoy. You can't possibly say statistic-wise that McCoy is better than Sue. You can do some gymnastics to get there. Yeah. Creative accounting. If you all of a sudden go, hey, this guy didn't play as much because he was injured. Like, that's a good thing. Jesus Christ, man, I tell you. Anyhow, I'm all wound up. I've, I've been I've been simmering on this for quite a while. I think you need a beer. I think you are correct. <laughs> it is beer 30. We're going to wrap this up. I'll tell you what, guys, if you get a chance, uh, hit that smash, smash that share button on your app. Send us out to somebody. Send us out to some uh, Facebook friends or Twitter or I don't know, someplace. Let's get, you know, let's get the fan base riled up. This is going to be an awesome, awesome team. I haven't been this excited about the Buccaneers in a long time. I don't think these media people have a clue about football because if they did, they would see what's coming down the pipe. A whole big ball of Vita Vey and Sue. That's what's coming down the pipe. So anyhow, we're going to wrap this up. hope you enjoyed the rant. It was a good one today. I, I bring out my soapbox every now and then. This <laughs> one was extra tall and extra soapy. <laughs> but we're going to wrap this up. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach me at mollybay at buccaneersobserver.com. If you've got any spare... Preparation H coupons. <laughs> when Ralph gets all worked up like this, his hemorrhoids flare up and we're on a budget, frankly. Email them to Ralph at BuccaneersObserver.com. Oh, we're on I gotta, Twitter. I stop having you do this. <laughs> I've been thinking hard on that one. Well, that was a hard one. Mm -hmm. We're on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer. And we've got a website, BuccaneersObserver.com. Until next time. Go Bucks.